Welcome to Interchain FM, where we dive into the frontier of the blockchain space. We're now in the third generation of blockchain tech, where a burgeoning multi-chain ecosystem is about to explode into what we call the decentralized web. Where Ethereum is to the mainframe computing era of the internet, Cosmos is to the PC era. If you're seeking alpha in the Cosmos ecosystem, look no further. This is the destination for your exponential learning experience. Interchain FM is where you can get the download on all of the high signal projects, building bridges to one another, and how you can participate in the future of the internet. I'm here with Jake Hartnell. Jake Hartnell is a very special guest. He is the brains and the coder behind a lot of your favorite projects, some of the most well-known ones, including Juno, Dao Dao, Stargaze. Did I miss anything? Yeah, mostly those. Like. Great. Let's talk about that. You originally told me your uh, origin story in a Cosmos. So why don't we go back there? Yeah. So it was like all the way back 2017. I had a startup then. I wanted to do like an ICO. I was starting to build stuff on a Ethereum and really just seeing the limitations of Ethereum. And I went to this Cal blockchain talk because I'm a Berkeley grad and Sonny was giving a talk there. He was talking about Cosmos mm. and IBC. And I was like, whoa, this is it. This, this will actually scale to like billions of transactions. Like rather than trying to shove everything onto like one chain to roll them all, we like split it all up into a bunch of different chains and have trustless communication between them. And I was like, that'll scale to like everything I want to do. So I was like, Cosmos is cool. This was probably like, I think late 2017 or like early 2018. I think it was late 2017. Mm -hmm. What were you trying to build on Ethereum? I was trying to build a data marketplace. So my very first startup, which was a failure, sadly, was a, uh, we did open source technology for agriculture. And we were trying to like allow people to sort of monetize their data. Then the market crashed and uh, my company got aqua hired and I had to go work in the Web2 world for a while. And that was not fun. What was it aqua hired by? Can't talk about it. I signed like NDAs and yeah. Web2? like. Yeah, it's Web2, it sucks. <laughs> but uh, really wanted to just actually just work in crypto so that I could spend all my nights just like playing around with Cosmos and like writing smart contracts. And uh, one day I was like in a cafe and sitting across from me was some dude with a Cosmos sticker. And that happened to be Shane. Uh, <laughs> Shane and I was like, Cosmos is really cool. And he's like, you know what Cosmos is? And I was like, yeah. And because uh, at the time, no one knew what, co- what Cosmos right, was. Right, right. Like, it, it was very obscure. Like, it was very obscure, yeah. yeah. Pre-IBC. Yeah, definitely. Like, so if you knew about Cosmos in 2017, you were definitely, like, yeah. really paying attention to the space. Yeah, totally. But that's kind of, like, yeah, how I got into Cosmos. And then, like, um, I almost joined Shane's startup at True Story, uh, but kind of felt like it was, like, a little bit NGMI. And uh, <laughs> we're not going to make it for those non-crypto people. But really liked Shane and thought like the, the technology was amazing. And so that's kind of how Stargate started is like, yeah, eventually we all kind of like decided to like start a new thing. At the time it was called Rocket Protocol, but that's, that was a terrible name. So we changed it. Okay. So well, tell us about the timeline, um, because when Shane started building this, I mean, True Story was, when was that? That was 2018 that when it was announced? That would have been 2018, like twenty eighteen. Yeah, that was yeah. around the same time when TCRs became more of like a meme thing. Yeah. The way that, you know, some, some things are trending right now that, that won't last the test of time. Yeah, so that was 2018. And that was also at the same time as the um, hack out in Berlin. And that was when Billy Cosmosm was kind of birthed. Yeah. So it was around that time. 
Uh, no, I think I met Shane like shortly after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, and really, we like really started talking and hanging out throughout 2019. And then uh, Stargaze basically started at the beginning of 2020. Um, right. Yeah, I remember that. People don't realize that we've been working on it for a really long time, but we've had a yeah. couple pivots. So, you know. Right. Um, yeah. I was sent a, a beta demo for the the social network. That yeah, was, we actually started out yeah, building a social network. That's right. what we originally set out to do was to build a decentralized social network. And it was all really great. And it actually like was kind of fully like working. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some cool videos online. It was tough because Cosmos didn't have a DEX yet. There was, this is pre-osmosis. Right. Uh, it didn't have IBC. And we actually wound up having to rewrite the whole application because of the Stargate upgrade, which was uh, very painful. So Yeah, I'm sorry to hear. What, it was like yeah. non-backwardly compatible, totally brand new. So that was the birth of Stargaze. Yeah. And are you still involved with that project? Yeah, I'm still like very involved with Stargaze. Um, definitely spending a lot more time at the moment on like Juno and Dowdow because... I think that that's kind of what's most important for the ecosystem is like building out the ecosystem around Cosmwasm, all the mm-hmm. dev tools there, all the wallets and bringing more developers into the space. It's yeah. a very special time right now. We have to, we can, we have the opportunity to bring over all this talent and uh, tools from Terra into the real Cosmos ecosystem. And I feel like really need to focus on that effort. And, and Juno has a lot of funds to fund developers and cool projects. And, you know, I think that that's where a lot of my focus is. And also on Dowdow. And the great thing about Dowdow is it's interchain Dow tooling. And don't be surprised when you see it on Stargaze as well. So, oh, you very know, cool. a lot of times, like, I always try to find, like, crossover that makes sense between, like, the projects I work on. And so, like, you know, Stargaze needs Dow tooling just like, you know, any other chain needs Dow tooling. Mm-hmm. So, like, what is your vision of Cosmosm and like why is it so important to build an entire developer ecosystem around yeah. that? Well, I guess to say it plainly, the EVM sucks. It's really bad. It's not very performant and sure. it's really hard for people to learn. Like Solidity looks very simple as a language. It kind of looks like JavaScript, but to actually understand Solidity, you need to understand how the EVM works. And that's actually a much more complicated like task. And mm-hmm. so for people to come become a good Solidity developer, they really need to like read through like the Geth source code and learn like <laughs> all the different op codes and like right. how things actually work. It's just also not very performant. It's like, don't get me wrong. So I got my start as a Solidity developer and it was groundbreaking for the time and led to like a lot of what we see in terms of smart contracts. But that doesn't mean it's like the end all like be all of like smart contracts like i also got my start as a php developer because that was a way to like build websites back in the day you built websites in php and then like suddenly like you know node.js and like ruby on rails came along and like all these other like tools that no one really builds websites in php anymore Mm -hmm. though there's still websites that run on php so i think kind of solidity is the same way it's like the first it's going to be around for it's not going away like but I do think that WebAssembly smart contracts are the future. Oh, um, interesting. They're, they're a lot more performant by a lot. Like mm-hmm. the uh, WebAssembly has been highly optimized to run in browsers. And so and the, the whole point is that it should be faster than JavaScript. And mm-hmm. so there's been all this effort and resources into making WebAssembly not just really fast, but also really secure as well, which is exactly what you want for smart contract execution environment. Would you agree or disagree with the notion that the EVM has a Lindy effect and that is not going away despite perhaps... Oh, I think that EVM is going to be around for a really long time. But I also see the rapid growth of the Cosmosm ecosystem and that we are... Like the big reason people choose the EVM today is that they're lazy and they want to copy and paste like smart contracts. Right, they just want to like port it over. And you kind of see this now where it's like all the actual good EVM developers, they're on Ethereum. Nothing original happens on like 
Harmony or like Avalanche or like Binance Smart Chain. It's all like derivative clone stuff. And the fact is like with Cosmosm, we're already like building out the ecosystem a lot. We have a lot of chains that are using it like Osmosis, Stargaze, Juno, Secret Network, and a lot more on the way. It's like really getting a lot of traction. And we're building up this whole library of smart contracts. We have NFT marketplaces. We have decentralized exchanges. We have amazing DAO tooling. We have liquid staking protocols. Mm-hmm. We have NFT contracts. Right. We have token contracts. Yeah. So all the like sort of pieces that, you know, people really want when they're like starting a new chain are those contracts are starting to, we're starting to reach like kind of contract parity with the EVM. And I think once you reach the contract parity, the fact is it's a lot faster to build in Cosmosm. And eventually we're just going to like kind of blow it away in terms of like what's possible, just because a lot more is possible in Cosmosm. One of the things that really excites me about WebAssembly smart contracts as well is that you can use existing languages. So can use a language like Rust. Uh, Golang smart contracts are also being supported. Um, there's already a working example, and you know, like what, what, what example is that? It's in the Cosmosm repo, actually. Does it have Cosmosm anything get- to do with Gnolan? J- no, J-Bosman? it's a, that's that's completely separate. Okay. I mean, best of luck with that project, but you know, I do think WebAssembly is a really great smart contract execution environment because you can use existing languages, and that becomes really practical. Like, say you want to do like a really cool generative art NFT, and you need some math library. Well, in Solidity, you would have to like rewrite that math library in Solidity, which would be a nightmare. Ah, uh, I see. Whereas in Rust, I could, I'm just like cargo add math library. And as long as it compiles to web- WebAssembly, I can use it. So I can use all these existing libraries and all the existing tooling, which is really great. Got it. And the cool thing is we can add even more languages to Cosmosm. So right now we have Rust and uh, Golang is on the way. Those are great languages to start with. There's arguably a lot more Rust programmers than there are Solidity programmers and definitely a lot more Go programmers than Solidity programmers. So mm-hmm. like already you're talking to like a much larger market of smart contract devs. The fact is we can also support TypeScript. TypeScript compiles to, well, AssemblyScript is a strict subset of TypeScript and it will compile to WebAssembly. We can support C Sharp. C Sharp compiles to WebAssembly. We can support C++. We can support, say you want special properties in a language like formal verification. Well, you could use something like Scala because Scala compiles to WebAssembly and then you get all these nice formal verification pro- you know, properties. Oh, nice. And so it really is like a, a smart contract execution environment that's like more performant, and like easier to develop with because people can use existing languages and it's easier to reason about too like you don't have like a lot of the weird quirks that like the evm has you know Mm, for instance there's a lot of limitations to the evm like if you have a map you can think of a map as like an array of objects or a list of objects there's no way to iterate through a map in solidity really i mean there's also good reasons for like what would you need to iterate through a map for like say i wanted to like implement a smart contract query that like lists out like all the nfts in a collection okay um, so you can't do like range queries or something like no that? no range range queries yeah the cosmos has range queries uh, cosmos has indexed mapped queries so let's say i wanted to make a query in a contract like an nft contract for example that would give me all of the nfts owned by a specific user or all of the nfts with a certain trait you can make these like indexes like you would in a database and that allows for like more efficient queries inside the contracts themselves, which is really cool. Not using an indexer, though we also have like indexers coming to Cosmos, like the graph and subquery. Right. But you know, yeah. separate topic. But so, how are queries done in Solidity? A lot of times, people wind up do using a lot of like indexers to like build like the sites people really really know and love. That's just a fact. Sometimes there's some really basic queries, but 
Sorry, yeah, it's, 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 a little, is, it's a little bit more limiting. Yeah, uh, is is utilizing an indexer sort of an extra layer of abstraction yeah, that you would rather not have? Top. Yeah, it's it's also not necessarily a decentralized layer. A lot of the indexers right. uh, were, were pretty centralized to begin with. The graph has gotten better. The graph is a little bit more decentralized now. But when the graph started, which is what a lot of people use to like, you know, build something like a lot of the NFT experiences you see on, on Ethereum, the graph started as very centralized. And, you know, it's progressively right, decentralized, decentralized over time. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's fundamentally like a separate service that's not on chain, you know. So I recently did talk to the graph because they had recently announced that they're integrating Osmosis now after they've done the Cosmos Hub. What is the distinct value prop for the graph to enter into this space, given that we have a proliferation of Cosmosm on a lot of the Cosmos app chains? What the graph brings us is like integration with all the other tools that are currently using the graph. So you have something like Misari, which is doing all these analytics, mm-hmm. like Misari uses the graph. They like work with them a lot. By having graph index chains like Osmosis and Juno, that means all the data that's generated is showing up in those analytics tools. Otherwise, they would have to go out of the way and build a whole custom like integration to like go get that data, which they're not going to do. And then, then Cosmos gets left out of like DAO tooling stats, for example. You know, right. it's like, and, and so just having it integrated into like all these different types of analytics tools that are being built with the graph already. That's absolutely huge for the ecosystem. And then it's also great for like dev tooling as well. Like you can build like really nice like dashboards and stuff with indexers. Mm. Like so like if you use DowDow today, it's all actually direct on-chain queries. Mm-hmm. But if we wanted to like make a bunch of dashboard, like an overview of all the DAOs, like and we want to have metrics like total liquidity locked in DAOs, how many tokens and what's the value that's locked in DAOs over time? And we want to make a chart for that. Mm-hmm. That's where we need an indexer, you know, because mm-hmm. we have to aggregate all this data across all these different DAOs. So mm-hmm. that's what the graph is really good for. And it has like a really great developer experience around it. So, yeah. OK, so, you know, given that, let's say in a couple of years from now that, you know, there is like good data analytics tools and indexers readily available to like index all of this blockchain data. Do you see machine learning kind of coming in and doing its thing? Yeah, totally. We're going to make it more efficient for the IRS to come tax us? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I guess, but yeah, it's probably inevitable. They, right. Yeah, that's going to be like one of the like they, They've got the guns, so, you know. Yeah, okay, got it. Let's talk about DowDow now. Can you just give us a high-level overview about that and what people yeah. can do with it? So DowDow is building interchain DAO tooling for the Cosmos. That's like the one sentence, but it's really like next-gen DAO tooling. Like DowDow is like going to enable some things that just don't exist on any DAO tooling at the moment. I mean, it's also wait, wait, no code DAO tooling, which, which is the thing is no like code. you can be a coder and use it and integrate it into your DeFi protocol. So, but you can also use, like it's designed so that anyone, they don't have to know any code that can just come and start a DAO, you know, do things like launch a token or have like an NFT based DAO or like a membership based DAO. There's also a nice u- little UI that allows them to do things like stake tokens as a DAO or claim their token rewards or like send tokens, mint tokens, uh, instantiate smart contracts. And then eventually like coming soon is doing things over interchain accounts. So one of the really cool things about Dado is because it's built with Cosmosm, it has built in support for IBC. And so this enables like a bunch of really awesome new things. So Dao 
on Juno can launch an NFT series on Stargaze or LP its treasury on Osmosis and like take its treasury and put it to active use in Yield Farm, you know? Uh, it can okay. do things like deploy an application on Akash, so run its own chat server in a really decentralized way or like host its own website without having to put in a credit card to like AWS under like a business account. It can, you know, stake tokens on the Cosmos Hub or, you know, just do anything that you can do over IBC. Like that's pretty cool. Okay, so so is this specifically a function of IBC or is there another reason why you're able to do that sort of seamlessly cross-chain? I think it's because of Cosmosm and IBC. So those two I together. See. Okay. And would the Cosmos Hub need Cosmosm in order to receive whatever inputs you're trying to get it to do? No, I mean, it has support for interchain accounts. So with interchain accounts, it can expose the, the things it wants to expose over interchain accounts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a, yeah, Cosmos Hub doesn't need Cosmosm for people to like, you know, stick Adam on the hub okay. with the DAO. So when any potential app chain in the Cosmos ecosystem has interchain accounts, then it could potentially be a recipient of whatever a DAO on Juno wants yeah. to do. Yeah, like a DAO on Juno could, ha- like when interchain accounts come to Secret Network, a DAO on Juno could, you know, do things on Secret Network if they want. Or yeah, that's the really great thing about interchain accounts is it really expands the composability of the cosmos, which is really, really cool. Can you talk about the more about the use cases? What kind of application would a user come in to use DAO for in a cross-chain scenario? And does it open up possibilities for like multi-hop cross-chain DAO actions? Ooh, that's a, there's a lot in that question. So maybe we want to like break it up a little bit. Maybe the first part is like what sort of pe- what would people use a DAO for, or like? I, I guess I'm particularly interested in let's say like smart contract calls. Yeah. Right. If I wanted the privacy properties from Secret, and I do something there, and then I want to do some sort of like a swap on a Dex, like Osmosis or something. Yeah. You know, is there is there some reason I would use DAO DAO to do that? Yeah, I think for that to work, you would need like a good like IBC router. IBC is definitely like an emerging kind of thing and like yeah you'd have to it would get a little bit tricky actually I think you could do it but it's like hops and IBC is like kind of an interesting subject and this Mm -hmm. is why like Jack is working on like the IBC router because when you like do something on secret and then send tokens from secret network to osmosis and then it it can just get a little bit messy but it's it's definitely like possible it's 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 workable can you foresee any reason why somebody would want to do it that way rather than just staying on one app chain to do whatever they need? That's a really good question. I think most of the time people will just do like, you know, kind of one app chain at a time. Like you want to yeah, do, I so, yeah. I'm not saying that there is not a use case for it. I've, I've just been so focused on like the just basic interchain use case. I haven't thought about like the advanced level of like, mm-hmm. yeah, send stuff to secret, like mix it, send it to like osmosis, like do some arbitrage thing, like. In the future, let's say we have the Internet of Blockchains has matured so much in sure, you know, yeah. 20, 20 years in the future. And we have like IBC routers. So people would potentially be using this like meta blockchain network as like the Internet. Right. So. Yeah. So you could potentially just leverage multi hop blockchains just to get like a certain feature out of it. You know, if I wanted. Yeah, sure. Yeah. If I wanted like to mix some transactions, I suppose through a tornado cash like thing. <laughs> wow, this is getting really spicy really quick. Wow. I'm sorry. Okay, so yeah, you know, the reason why this is at the 
top of my mind is because, okay, this, so, so recently there was a viral video that came out in the news and it was about a San Francisco man. He performed some armed robbery on a person. And so he took some crypto, but didn't know to use tornado cash. And so was quickly identified. Yeah. So, you know, the question would be, how efficient would someone like that be able to use these types of toolings to obfuscate their tracks, I suppose? I think obfuscation is basically impossible because we all use these like devices that like yeah. try to be private on the internet. Like we can definitely do a lot better, but it's basically like even people that use Tornado Cash, like there were these uh, people on Ethereum that launched this like rug NFT project and they got arrested even though they used Tornado Cash because you can still like monitor all the different like addresses that go in and out of it. You know, it only provides like a certain amount of privacy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're who knows like to what level like, you know, our phones and stuff are like observed and like how people are like Absolutely. people can correlate all these different data streams in like, I still think privacy is really important and something we should definitely be working on, but you should never assume that just because you use a mixer that it's, like, untraceable. Like, you're right. everywhere you go on the internet, you're just leaving around little little footprints, and you have to be go to an insane level of detail. Even a VPN is, like, not enough. Like, sure, you know, absolutely. It's just, like, there's so many different things they can do to, like, fingerprint you and, like, track you and, like, you yeah, know. Through your ISP. This, yeah, operating system, like, screen size. Like, there's just, like, all these different variables that, so, yeah. Fun okay. stuff. Fun stuff. The primary use case of DowDow is like, I mean, like you, you can use DowDow in composition with something like Secret Network or Penumbra when it launches, you know, but the primary use case is to like actually just build better governance tooling, better DAO tooling that will mm-hmm. allow for like kind of more complex, efficient like organizations. One of the things we're really starting to use uh, at Juno is that we're using a feature of the new DowDow contracts called SubDAOs, where a DAO can actually have a parent or uh, an admin, if you will. Uh, that has basically like execution rights over the DAO. So the way we use this is we're going to launch a Hack Juno sub-DAO. Uh, there's going to be a governance proposal probably like in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. And that group is going to be tasked with organizing Hack Juno, promoting the, the hackathon, educating people about it. They're also going to be like handling all the nominations and paying out the rewards. You know, um, and there's a large amount of rewards for Hack Juno. It's over $2 million in Juno. It's pretty good. And that's after the price has gone really down. But, you know... So we're going to launch a governance proposal and that governance proposal will instantiate a DAO sub DAO that's owned by like the main Juno community pool or the main Juno core governance module. Mm -hmm. The core governance module has, if governance doesn't like what that sub DAO is doing, say everyone goes off and like they're not really being active or making like judicious use of the funds, like they can vote to revoke the sub DAO basically, which is pretty cool. Can you talk more about that? We need to create more complex governance structures if we're going to scale decentralized organizations. Like if we have like everything flat and everyone votes on everything, it just completely gets unwielding really quick. I agree. If you have to have everyone on the Juno chain vote on like paying like someone who designed a poster or like put on a conference, you know, if, and to put on a conference, you know, you need to like pay a bunch of different people, you know, and that's like a lot of different proposals. Like mm-hmm. people will really quickly get voting fatigue if everyone has to vote on everything all the time. Yeah. And so the whole point of sub DAOs, you can think of them as like departments or teams or groups. And uh, you can kind of create these nested relationships of organizations that can create much more complex like governance structures. With the new DAO contracts, you can actually create something like a C corporation where you have all the token holders. They're like the shareholders. They elect a board. 
the board is like the overseeing body. They they elect uh, some executives, a CEO or whatever. I don't know why you would actually want to do this, but you know, but you could. Uh, and then the CEO like hires all the employees, and there's like a nice hierarchy there. Like everyone's ultimately accountable to like the shareholders. Yeah. You know, this is all but on chain. All on chain. Yeah. Okay, so uh, everything on Dado is all on chain. Okay. Because transactions on Juno are actually like affordable. You can afford to vote on chain. It costs yeah. less than a cent. And we have a team that's working on how we can use the fee grant module to pay gas on behalf of users for, for voting in a DAO, which is really great for like onboarding. So say I start like a really cool art DAO, do an experimental art show with like really cool DJs and it's going to be a really cool party. And I want to give that token to all my friends, but they don't have Juno. And that's sad because now they can't vote in the DAO, but they can. We'll like use, you know, fee grant and like basically allow it for the DAO will have some Juno. It takes like one Juno and it's in its treasury. And now it can pay gas on behalf, behalf of all the users, which is really great for onboarding. So, so the people wouldn't need to actually uh, fund it themselves. You mean, I think that's the goal is we want people to launch DAOs and be able to just like, I'll just give you the DAO token and you should be able to go vote and interact with it without having to worry about like getting Adam and going to osmosis and swapping it for Juno and then sending that Juno to like, yeah. Who's issuing the DAO token? Whoever's launching the DAO. Whoever's um, launching the DAO. It's up to each DAO. Um, yeah. And we have a bunch of different types of voting systems now, which is yeah. really cool. So we can have NFT-based DAOs. Um, so if you own an NFT, you can be like form a DAO around it. Like a social club. Like, yeah. Like Board Ape. Like Bad Kids, you yeah. know, Bad like Kids bad DAO. Kids. Like after school club. A bad kids after school club. Yeah, wow, that sounds great. I was born here today, actually. Um, yeah, so you could make... You hear that, bad kids. Yeah, you can make bad kids after school club. Uh, we can do, you know, obviously token-based voting. Like, we can help have people launch tokens. We actually support... Uh, we have a contract right now in the works that's going to support uh, staked native tokens, which is going to allow for something like, I don't know, like Ion DAO or any other DAO where there's like a native token that you want to build a DAO around. We have just like straight up multi-sigs, which is just sort of member-based, um, which is are really cool. If I wanted IonDAO to do this, would I have to transfer IonDAO over IBC or... It, no, or I think we, like the great thing about data is it's written in Cosmobalsm and we plan ongoing multi-chain. So the data team is like really into the Cosmos and yeah, like Juno is going to be like the home of data in some sense, like because we're it's a great place to experiment and we have this really crazy DAO games competition, which is coming later in the year. And we're going to test out a bunch of really crazy ideas. Like what do you think about incentivized voting? Like what if we paid people to vote? It's kind of a crazy idea, but we're going to try it out mm. and it's going to be fun. Isn't but yeah, like Juno's a great bribing? place. Yeah. It might cause a bunch of stuff, but you know, I think, I think you have, we like Juno's a great place to experiment and like try out a bunch of stuff. And some of it might break, you know, and some of it might be like a great success. You, mm -hmm. you don't really know until you like run a bunch of experiments, but yeah, but for the stuff that's kind of mature, like we plan on like, yeah, deploying that on osmosis, deploying it on stargaze, deploying it on like other cosmosm chains. We really want it to be like DAO tooling for the cosmos. Interesting. So, Let's talk about this idea, and this is starting to emerge, which is going multi-chain in the IBC ecosystem, right? Just in the same way as Compound, Aave, they're going multi-chain in the mm -hmm. EVM ecosystem on yeah. the different L2s and Avalanche, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing is sort of happening here, and, you know, yours, Dada's prime example of this. Talk about that. Yeah, I think it's a, uh, it's a huge and great opportunity. I think there's a lot to figure out on what this looks like. And this is actually something I hope we can like provide some a really good example to for the rest of the Cosmos ecosystem. And the way we're kind of thinking about it is doing token swaps. 
So there's going to be a DAO token. I'm not going to give too many details about that because, you know, well, maybe you'll be able to te tease them out of me. But uh, there's going to be a DAO token and we are going to like swap it with other DAOs, other projects where we want to provide like DAO services to basically. And this is really great because this is like a really great way for those communities to get to like get DAO token. And also any when you do a DAO to DAO swap, it actually creates like aligned like economic incentives between like both parties. You know, I think in Cosmos, it's great that we're all like sovereign chains, but we do need to like kind of form alliances and like collaborate a little bit more sometimes. Yeah. And so like by having like token swaps, you can like create like these sort of aligned economic interests. And mm -hmm. like um, it's a really great way to like sort of build out an ecosystem. Absolutely. So. It's one of the things we're really thinking about with Dada is like, we want to kind of like pioneer this model for the cosmos. It's kind of already starting to happen in Ethereum, you know, like uh, Ethereum's always on the cutting edge of like, you know, sort of like stuff that's happening. But I think we can really build it out in a very exciting way on the cosmos. And so, yeah, one of the first things that's going to happen after the Dada token launch is we're going to take a very, very large amount and we're going to make a token swap with the, the Juno community pool. This is to like support development of like really awesome, like cool new features to make like the UI better and better to do things like launch mobile apps and things like that. It's not just asking for money with nothing in return. You know, we're not only providing like the services and like building out this amazing DAO tooling, but we're also providing, you know, economic value and voting power in return. And then the community can decide to do with that whatever they want. They could airdrop it to their users. If it's like osmosis, they might decide to like use it to create like a liquidity pool if I think it's also really interesting as a model for like smaller DAOs. So we have a bunch of DAOs that are coming out of DAO that are really interesting. So there's like a design DAO and a great way to support design DAO. Design DAO is like a service DAO. They're like sort of, you can think of them as consultants. I think that's an offensive term. I think they're more, more than consultants. They're free agents, you know, working on cool stuff, but they have a DAO and that's how they like organize themselves. And well, DAO can swap some DAO tokens with design DAO and then, Suddenly, they're also like helping us like build out all our products, and you know, it's we're trying to create like these kind of like win-win sort of scenarios. Um, okay, so you've really thought about how to scale up an organization past what's just in your direct, I guess, startup or yeah, definitely. Um, I think this is something that's like I've really learned a lot from like Juno, including the like super chaotic moments of Juno. It's the need to like really evolve like governance and like how we organize ourselves in like a very decentralized kind of fashion. Mm -hmm. like, the fact that like Juno doesn't really have like a core company around it or, or whatever in like the same way that like, you know, kind of Stargaze does. It's definitely much more chaotic, but it's also like the opportunity to like really kind of try out some new ideas of how we organize ourselves in a very like decentralized way. So, yeah, it's uh, helped me think through some of this stuff. And I don't really have like all the answers yet, but we're going to try out some cool ideas and mm -hmm. hopefully they'll work. The tough part is prime example of treasury swapping failing is when... Avalanche and uh, Terra did a treasury swap. It was, you know, something yeah. to the tune of like hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, Avalanche got wrecked and Terra still held on to their AVAX and it was yeah. still actually worth something. I mean, I think there there's definitely risk when doing token swaps, but there's risk in, you know, investments as well. There's, yeah. And I think that, yeah, it's definitely an extreme example. I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to say that there's no risk in doing token swaps, but... I still think that the advantages outweigh like the potential like disadvantages. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's a really great way to build like close ties between ecosystems and people. Cause we are like, I kind of think of all these cosmos chains as kind of DAOs in some ways, some more, more or less like Juno's on the pretty extreme side. And like, you know, some are like more kind of based around like companies, mm -hmm. but they're all like sovereign chains with their own governance. And so, yeah, I think having coalitions between all these chains 
is great and one of them might fail you know it's just like that's that's how it is not all of them won't fail like you know we're, we're probably gonna do some token swaps with Dowdow that we'll like look back on and be like that was a mistake but we'll also do some and be like that was an amazing you know kind of thing and at the end you hope it like balances all out and that you're creating enough value as an ecosystem that like mm-hmm. everyone's like massively up, you know, that's kind of like the goal, but yeah, I'm not going to pretend there's like definitely the risk of like doing a token swap. And then the other thing like turns out to be, you know, kind of worthless. But in, in the case of Dowdow, I think we're like a good group to do it is cause like we're not, we don't have a white paper, you know, we actually just like build stuff and like you can use it today. Um, mm-hmm. And like the V1 contracts that are audited and like the new UI are like coming out really, really soon. And you'll be able to actually use it and see that it's useful and it's actually providing value. You know, mm-hmm. it's not vaporware. We definitely should be wary about like doing token swaps for like projects that haven't launched or people that don't really have a reputation because then then there's just a much higher risk of like exactly what happens with like Terra and Avalanche where that project collapses and then... Well, it's tough though, right? Because I would consider Doquan and Terra to be really high reputation. Therefore, there's yeah, like totally. just um, unadulterated trust in a single person. That's just a human problem that not e- no no technology can solve. True. Okay. But, I mean, DAOs are humans at the end of the day. Like, yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, it's really human nature that's powering these mm-hmm. things. We're just using like technology to help people coordinate a little bit more mm-hmm. and do it a little bit faster and more efficiently. The really cool things about DAOs is like, you can spin them up so quickly. You can easily create an agreement without having to like go through the whole process of back and forth between lawyers and then reviewing all the paperwork and then, you know, signing the thing yeah. and sending the email over and then sending a but, wire. Yeah. If something goes wrong, though, what legal recourse does somebody have if all they have is a uh, This is a really it? great, great question. Um, and one of the things we're actually working on a lot and really would love more help on if there's like listeners in the audience that would love to be part of this effort is uh, trying to create better legal wrappers around DAOs. Yeah being really clear up front of what the expectations are for participating in the, in the DAO, like what the rights are, what the risks are and like who bears like, you know, just like laying out all the different responsibilities. And you can think of it as sort of like a, ch- a charter, a constitution. This is also something that like really came out in like the wake of Prop 16 is like, how do we like think about what we're doing and be very clear about how everything is supposed to work because like a lot of people otherwise have really different interpretations of like what's going on and you know if everything's going great no one has a problem but when like something bad happens then that's when things get really interesting and so we're actually working with like a bunch of lawyers try to create better legal wrappers for DAOs and also like better templates so we're really working with a group on creating proposal templates for things like token swaps like making sure that we're including all like the right language about like the real risks that exist and like exactly like sort of what's happening in the proposal. And I think we can bring, build out more and more of that. One of the things that I'm also really excited about with DowDow is like the new contracts are very, with SubDows, they're very, very composable and you can create these very complex structures that completely mirror legal entities that exist in the real world. So say you wanted to create something like a Cayman Islands Foundation. Well, the way that works is you have someone and they sit on the foundation board And people give them instructions to do something that one person controls all the money. They can't do anything themselves, but they get instructions. And then they basically check to make sure it's like not money laundering or anything like that. And then they approve it. We can actually create a DAO that like votes to give that person the instruction. And then we can make, we can give them like sort of an approver role and they can just approve it. You know, and now we've created a much more efficient system that doesn't involve email, that doesn't involve paperwork, that doesn't involve like wire transfers from banks, but 
is completely like legally compliant. Now we can also do that for like U.S. corporations and stuff too, whether it's like a like an LLC. You know, in LLC, you have corporate memorandums where you like sort of file the intention that you want to do something as as a group. And so we can, you know, sort of create like, again, a, a DAO structure that mirrors the legal structure. And those should be like completely, you know, compliant. So and then obviously there's a lot to be done in terms of like building out tooling around DAOs for managing things like payroll. And if you're like doing a, an LLC or a C corporation in the United States, you're going to need like tools for like, you know, calculating taxes and stuff like that. But those things are being like worked on and, and will be built. So. Um, well, cool. Yeah. It sounds like the dream of this project is really to turn smart contracts actually into contracts themselves. Yeah. I mean, I still think that there's going to be like completely, and I think it's still valid. I'm really a strong believer in this, that there should be like DAOs that don't have a legal entity. I think that's yeah. fine for like, I mean, it depends on what you want to do. If you want to like build a housing cooperative and like make like a rent to own kind of situation or like buy like physical property you're gonna need a legal entity for that you know it's like you have to interface with like the existing state but if you're trying to do like an internet gaming guild or whatever like i think that should be like allowed to exist like if it's purely online i think that the internet is kind of its own jurisdiction and the fact is these DAOs, like who should they pay taxes to like you know uh they, they have international members from all over the world you know and certainly those individuals if they like sell tokens they should definitely like you know abide by their like country's laws if you have members from like Switzerland and Guatemala and Korea and in the United States, like which country dictates the, you know, and do, do they have to comply by all of them? That would be like, there's probably a lot of work to do on just teasing out. Like, and oftentimes like the actual law comes a lot slower than the innovation, but I think there is definitely a legitimate use case for like DAOs that are entity list. I'm actually a huge fan of entity list DAOs, but um, yeah, it's a long topic. We could talk the whole talk about this, but yeah, I, I actually do uh, envision a future 40 to 80 years into the future when we've really, wow. you know, gone past the inflection point where like blockchains really kind of dominate the meat space um, mm-hmm. because, you know, all of us are in the digital world. At that point, we're going to be like in the metaverse. So yeah. at that point, you know, why wouldn't legal contracts actually sit on chain, yeah. I suppose, even though we don't really need it. But anyway, I think that DAOs will replace legal contracts. Right. By that time. Yeah. yeah. It's going to take a really long time, but I just think it's, it's actually more transparent. It's actually, it's a way more efficient too. Like yeah. anyone who's like ever done this kind of stuff, it's just so slow, you know? Yeah. It's like, I think that the people that live and work with these things now, it's, it's kind of like the transformation of the internet. Like when f- computers first came out, yeah. like people didn't understand how they would make us all like way more efficient. They're like, what? We got paper. We've got like filing right. cabinets. Yeah. Like, you know, I was on that exact same train. And it's kind of like, I think that's the exact same metaphor for what's happening here is we're just making all that stuff like way more transparent, mm-hmm. way faster and way more efficient. Right. If I file a document with the state to try to get a copy of that document is just absolutely insane. Yeah. You have to call someone up during business hours. You know, they <laughs> have to like, you have to like usually like p- fill out a form and like pay them and like they take a while to get back to you. Yeah. And like, there's like this huge process. Like, yeah. Uh, and then there's all these like also unneeded kind of gatekeepers that are like extracting a lot of like value from people and really limit people from like forming legal organizations. It's one of the, I think, sad parts of America right now is like if you're super wealthy, you can pay a bunch of lawyers to like set up all these complex le- legal structures and like pay no taxes like Jeff Bezos. But if you're like poor middle class, like you can't even afford like the most basic lawyer to like set up like a partnership kind of like thing. 
I think it, this is also about like accessibility and sort of justice and like bringing like a more fair and efficient like system to, to the masses. And it's going to take time. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit messy. You know, it's like, I'm not a utopianist. I don't think like everything with DAOs is going to be like just rosy and it's all going to be better and like peachy, but like nothing ever is. But, you know, I still think that there's progress that can be made. So. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to go back to your template comment yeah. about how DAOs are leveraged. So I recently bought a house. Cool. And Congrats. thank you. And it's within an HOA. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. one of those. Yeah. You have to deal with the HOA. And what I found out was that those HOA contracts that they make you sign, it's a templatized contract. Yep. And it was written by like one guy back yep. in the day and suddenly all HOAs use it now. Yep. And uh, the legal verbiage just makes it so that it kind of fucks you as the homeowner. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, you know, how do we avoid that situation when it comes to DAOs? Because like a lot of times it yeah. is social consensus that kind of wraps around a certain template or a thing and then they just like keep reusing it over yeah. and over and then the switching cost is really high yeah i do think that the great thing one of the great things about DAOs is also a chance to like rethink and renegotiate some of these arrangements you know oh i would um, so hope so i hate like, it i think that the landlord renter arrangement is really terrible and especially as like home ownership and, prices and, yeah, go and up the it's hoa like, homeowner arrangement as well yeah, yeah it's like, really even bad if you are it's a like, and i think that DAOs are a really great chance for us as society to like come together and think about, well, now we can make rent to own possible. Now we can like actually think about how people might fundraise differently to like yeah. collectively buy an HOA or a housing apartment. Or now we can kind of rethink, you know, some of the details of yeah. these contracts, you know? Um, oh, I would love to revolutionize HOAs. Yeah. So yeah, I think those things are possible. But, you know, ultimately it comes down to like who's in like the, the driver's seat for this kind of stuff. You know, that's why I, I really try to get like a lot of people excited about DAOs in this movement, because we need the we need like the right kind of people driving these efforts, you know, yeah, otherwise, sure. otherwise we just get more of the same, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so a lot of work to do there. No clear answer. But, you know, if you're listening and you're interested in DAOs, and you want to work on this stuff. Do it. Yeah, definitely. We, we have a whole other, you know, two decades and more to really work and innovate on this stuff. The space continues yeah. to evolve. This is the final thing I want to ask you, and okay, this is great. the elephant in the room, and you great. opened the door for this, actually. Sick. Prop 16, talk about it. I think Prop 16 was groundbreaking, and it was, like, really messy and really dramatic and one of the most stressful periods of my life. I literally got fucking death threats. Like, literally, I had to face, like, tons of angry people. Everyone was angry at me. The yes people were angry at me. The no people were angry. Everyone was angry. Why was that? Oh, uh, because I think it was very poorly written proposal, which didn't help. I think that's was one it, of the it big... It was written by you? It was not written by me. I did not review that proposal. And like, why did you get all the blame? Uh, I think everyone was just mad at everyone. And it's like just sort oh, of just, uh, being just like, mad at each other. Uh, yeah. And also being like a member of like core one, you know, or just like one of the founders of Juno. It's like okay. definitely caught a lot of like flack. And there were a lot of weird conspiracy theories going around. And it was not a healthy discussion, but it also like... I think was really important and like groundbreaking thing for like crypto in general and like on-chain governance. It was the first time since like Co Sunny wrote like the Cosmos governance module in 2019 that people were really thinking differently about how we, maybe we want to change those, some things in that. I think that was fine for the time it was written in when Cosmos yeah. was a lot smaller, but as Cosmos chains get a lot bigger, like everyone's using the same governance module and it yeah. has these like big powers in it and Maybe we need to think yeah. a little bit more about how we do governance. I mean, I, that was really one of the, my biggest takeaways is like, you know, that proposal would have been a lot better and a lot less dramatic if 
it was actually like edited and went through like a drafting phase before it went on chain. Like it had no evidence in it. It had like this really emotional language that wasn't even like really factually correct, you know. Uh, at the same time, it did really strike a nerve. Like, you know, there was like, you know, it was not the intention to like give Juno to like centralized entities. Like, you know, it was not. Uh, I mean, which was not mentioned in Prop 16. Prop 16 was like the gamed the uh, the gamed the airdrop, and that that's not the case. It was, it was it was more complicated and nuanced, and like the proposal was just so badly written. And so, and who wrote um, it? Uh, I think it was, I think it might have been Wolf um, and some some others, but uh, he's uh, since uh, I think I think he's uh, you know he's come to realize that that wasn't good. He like apologized for it and admitted his mistake. And to me, like. That that's good enough. So um, yeah. So no one's perfect. Like, and can you go into the nuance of this? Because I have actually reached out to Juno people to speak about this topic. Cool. Um, no one's responded. But then, All right? Well, I'm here. You're here. So I'm let's here. talk about yeah, that. Talk what, about what, what were the nuances of the story? So the nuances of the story were like, uh, you know, we did this airdrop, and it was meant to be like an airdrop to Adam Stakers. And we deliberately ruled out centralized exchanges and with the intention that, like, um, you know, uh, and we, all, we also implemented a whale cap because we wanted, like, the in- distribution to be, like, pretty, e- you know, like, a little bit more equal. Um, airdrops are really hard, though. It's really hard to get an airdrop right. And we don't have, like, indexers or really great data tools for Cosmos. This yeah. is changing. Yeah. But at the time, we didn't have it. And it was really hard to, like, go through and see, like, oh, all these accounts are associated and, like, owned by, like, one person. Like, um, and, yeah, all, there was a, you know, an, an entity, CCN, uh, and uh, they, I'm not going to make too many, like, claims about, like, or judgments about them. You can go out and read the facts. Uh, there's uh, Joe Abbey put together a lot of really great research that's pretty nuanced. Like, it, he went out flat and said, like, you know, the, the, the accusation in Prop 16 is bullshit, but, like, there's a lot more here. Uh and I will say that, like, when action was taken, uh, all the really big validators, like, you know, Stakefish and, and others, uh, they did their research. They actually talked with, like, you know, the, the entity in question, in question, asked them a bunch of, of you know, questions, um, and they signed the block. So, you know, I think that, like, it was... And to be fair, like, they, they like, you know, they still made out, like, bank anyway you know it's just that um i think one of the cool things about on-chain governance is if mistakes happen we can vote to fix them like um even in like sort of eventually we came to resolution as a community after like fighting a lot that like the thing to do was to like remove the funds like having 10 percent voting power on the network is like pretty it's kind of a lot and then it's just like yeah also like just exponent like growing so much because he's getting all the staking rewards you know like um and eventually the decision was made to like put the funds in a smart contract so that we could have a little bit more of a deliberative process without like you know without this other like skewed voting entity like you know um and just kind of figure out a better solution because we needed time to figure out a good solution like i'm actually really supportive of like if there are like thousands of japanese clients who these funds really deserve to go to well let's get them to him like, those are the rightful, like, people of the Juno airdrop, you know? It's, like, shouldn't be, like, you know, let's let's get it to those people. Like, but we need to, like, it's going to take time to, like, figure out how to, like, do the auditing. Like, we're going to need some, like, th- trust, trustful third party. Like, no one really trusts, like, CCN probably for, like, good reason. But, like, um, we need a trusted third party to, like, you know, 
if that's really their intention. I mean, I question why they didn't just do that or give like the funds to their clients in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, anyway, it's yeah, it's a really long story. We could probably spend like a whole hour just talking about it because there's there's just so much to it. And then there was the the smart contract bug. We had like literally that was like also like a thing that had never been done before. I think it's similar to like the osmosis halt recently when you're doing something that's really difficult and not been done before. You're focused on all the really complicated things and no one checks like the really obvious stuff. Like, um, and yeah, like, uh, (laughs) I wrote the smart contract verification code and there's this like hex code address and I like didn't run the command to check it and no one else did either. And what? No test. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, the funds got sent to the wrong address. But again, government go- governance came to the rescue. And on Ethereum, like those those funds would be locked forever. You right. know, there's billions of dollars that are just locked in yeah, smart contracts. Too. I think this is one of the shittiest parts of crypto UX. If something bad happens, there's nothing you can do about it. Everyone's screwed. Everyone lost all their money. Like, why um, why don't we have revocations as a primitive? I think that they exist like in, in like using governance, but we have to evolve our governance to be able to handle that like massive power. You know, it's like, cause like, for example, with the, the Juno smart contract funds sent to the wrong address, like there was a coin desk written article written about it. No one wrote the article about how we voted to fix it. Like we voted to send the funds to the correct address and now that's where they are today. And actually to give like Takumi and CCN some credit, they're trying to constructively actually work on like real proposals now to like get the funds to their clients. You know, we'll see how that all like, you know, turns out like, but I think that's the right thing. And you know, they still got like 400 K Juno and all the other Juno that they sold before. So it's not like they're hurting too much, but probably with the price of Juno, everyone's hurting a little bit, but you know, um, yeah, I guess my high level takeaways are like, it was, really messy and like governance is really messy because it's all about humans we all have like different like views of things it really highlighted the need to like rethink how we're doing on-chain governance as cosmos chains like thinking about things like on-chain constitution on-chain charters like thinking about what our rights are like um even with the osmosis halt recently like the decision to like legally like go after like people that basically called some open source code you know it's code law or like is there something else going on here? Like clarifying all the different relationships is like actually something we really need to think about and like work on and like really just encoding like what, what the rules are of the chain and be very clear about those. Um, I think so far uh, how we've gone about with on-chain governance is sort of, we've gone about it by using precedent rather than by any other actual policy or constitution. It takes a long time to figure out this stuff. One yeah. of the sub DAOs I want to start on Juno is like a constitution DAO, which is like going to like think about, okay. you know, just like sort of like expectations around various types of things. Like actually before we launched any sub DAOs, we had a proposal on Juno called sub DAO principles, which sort of just established that, you know, ultimately sub DAOs are fully under control of the community, that like all those funds belong to the community, you know, that they're like people there are working on behalf of the community, you know, um, because it's, it's a privilege, you know, that's like they're using the community, like oftentimes sub DAOs will be using community funds, you know, to carry out their marketing or their events or whatever. Um, and just making it really clear what what the relationship is there. Um, and I think there's a ton more work to do in that kind of stuff. And there's a lot more work to do in DAO tooling, which is like why like I'm so passionate about DAO, because I really think that we need better tools in order to make governance work. Like already with the Cosmos SDK, we have this bottleneck of like everyone has to vote on everything all the time and they get tired. You know, we need to like break things up into smaller groups. 
uh, we need to like think a little bit more about the process for proposals coming on chain. Yeah. Like we encourage people to use Commonwealth and Commonwealth is great, but there's nothing that forces people to have a discussion before it comes, comes on chain. People can still just like YOLO and just like post a proposal on chain. And so there's like a little bit more work to, to be done there. With Data, we're actually working on like a proposal like draft process where like in MakerDAO, for example, things just don't go up to vote right away. They have to go through a whole process before it comes up to vote. And that's a DAO in like the House of Representatives or any like sort of government. There's also a proposal, like a sort of a drafting process, if you will, before like something goes up to vote. Process like that would have made like Prop 16 less dramatic because people would have written a much better proposal with like better facts in it. And like it would have been less extreme and like, you know, it would have been it would have been nicer. But sometimes I think you need the really dramatic things to happen in order to like shift everyone in like the to actually make some change, because otherwise you just coast on like as is without really thinking about it. So, yeah, the unfortunate thing about the Cosmos governance module is that it does allow for the tyranny of, of the majority. And so it doesn't really have yeah. any sort of checks and balances I in think place. That's actually not true. Um, people have like asked me this question of like, you know, oh, well, governance can do anything. It's like complete anarchy on like Juno and like Cosmos chains. Like, you know, it's not. We have like validators and people that run nodes. And you can think of them as like our Senate or like the ultimate like, you know, sort of judiciary. A lot of people like try to fudge Juno as like communist chain. They're going to like take rich people's ass. No, there's tons of people that have lots of genome where it's like no this was about like an airdrop allocation that was like blatantly unfair and was like 10 percent of the network and like you know should have been rolled out and it's complicated you know it's not going to happen you know the fact is like also a lot of you know like people that run nodes they ultimately have this check over over the chain and if they don't want to sign that block they don't want to sign the block they can easily like veto with 33% power and that proposal won't happen, you know, uh, or if like, yeah, I mean, validate validators are a big check on the power of like the tyranny of the majority. So, right. Well, the only caveat that I see there is that so there is this heavy social pressure for conformity just because all of your votes are public. And so, you know, if there seems to be a consensus leaning one way or another yeah. that's sort of where all of the gravity flows to yeah Unfo right so it's i mean this is just also true work. in real life again these are like you know things that just happen in our own world too right but, because humans uh, are uh i mean you should try like if you know like make a proposal on juno to like compensate the wealth of like the hundred top hundred wallets and redistribute it and see how it goes mm-hmm like, uh, well, yeah, I mean, so obviously like, that's immoral, right? But what I'm saying is in this paradigm, compared to proof of work, for example, where people, where the miners are the last say in the sort of checked and balanced system, yeah, there's not this sort of social conformity force in there because yeah. they're voting anonymously and they're just upgrading or not upgrading their nodes. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's just they, like a, You can also kind of like vote anonymously. I mean, you can just stop running your node. It, 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 there are social pressures. There are social pre pressures in any sort of like governance system. One of the things we are working on with Dao is private voting. It's like really important to us. I think that and, would be a key innovation. Yeah, I like, think that would be really huge. It's going to take a little bit while because we're doing it like ZK style. And uh, yeah, that's, that stuff's a little bit hard. But, okay. um, but it's, it's really important to us and something like we very much want to support. And uh, that I think could go a long way in addressing some of that. But I also think that there's a lot to be said for maybe thinking about like dividing up certain types of votes. I think Cosmos SDK governance is kind of doing too much. Like it's doing all How's the that? things. Uh, like 
everything from like funding a marketing campaign or oh, like right. is like but then you also like have like things like software upgrades you know it's like right it's just like you have everything from super like marketing stuff to like very technical things and it's like the people voting are necessarily gonna yeah the people voting are like not necessarily like yeah there's just a lot more thought to be like like done about all this stuff and like my hope with like juno is that we can like continue to be we like it or not we've just become like governance chain and we're like gonna embrace it because i think governance at the end of the day even though it's messy it's a feature and not a bug it's really awesome that like and I, i think it's just a really really cool awesome thing about like cosmos chains in general but you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And we have to think about like how we want to structure that. And, you know, should everyone vote on everything? Well, this is a great thing about sub DAOs is like you can create like different like groups that are responsible for like different kinds of things. We just need to go off and do some real thinking as an ecosystem about how we want to like divide up like responsibilities, you know, and like, like we could make it so that like the validators are a little bit more isolated about like chain upgrade decisions and things like that. Or, you know, if we want to, it's like, we have to just think about what it is we want. And it's like, you know, with Dada, we're just trying to make the tools so that you can create all sorts of different kinds of organizations. Like if you want to create communism on chain, you can do it. I think it's permissionless and that's like fine. I think that's like, called the digital UN, right? Yeah. I don't know if that's communism, but if you wanted to like also do like, you know, something that's like Communists higher. Are building that. Yeah. If you want to do like a super hierarchical organization where there's like a CEO or like one person on top or if you want to create like a digital co-op you know it's like the point is we're trying to create governance tools that can make all sorts of different types of like entities and arrangements and organizations of human beings uh, and different sort of economic incentives between them that's why we're working on things like you know staking rewards and which is already like working on like raw dow for example but we're also working on things like incentivized voting or like imagine if we penalize people for not voting for not being active sometimes that makes sense you know Every DAO is going to be like a case by case basis, depending on like what sort of properties they want. And like, you know, it's just like no, no two organizations are the same, but we just want to build things so that we can support. Sure. Yeah. We should, we should figure out a framework so that people could bootstrap more quickly than they are today because yeah. everyone's bootstrapping with the same problem set and they're, they're solving the same problem over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's that process isn't streamlined yet. Yeah. So. There's a lot of other cool stuff too that we're working on too. Um, one of the is custom proposal types. So like, like with the Cosmos SDK, you can't do like multiple choice proposals, for example. Oh right, right. So like when Osmosis <laughs> like chose its bridge, they had to do that really hacky thing where they're like, here, Axelar, yes, no, you know, Nomad, next, yes, no, Gravity Bridge, yes, no. Like, um, it's not like. Right. It'd be a little bit nicer if there's just one proposal and it's like choose one. Yeah, you know? but right. Also things like ranked choice voting and, you know, um, quadratic voting. I think all these are really interesting types of systems that we can like bring to DAOs and like that will help us create like better organizations, you mm-hmm. know? It's Absolutely. Like, we don't need like, I'm not talking about like organizations like the state, though eventually you could probably use a Cosmos chain to like run a government, but they're, <laughs> like they're ta- just like groups of people, like companies, like, you know, clubs, you know, blockchains. Yeah. It's all really exciting. Well, with that said, thank you so much, Jake, for coming on. We are coming up on time. And so we will be back and see how this whole thing develops. And we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to do a follow up. Yeah, we'll we'll see if Congress gets on chain and starts voting with with the stuff in the future. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in to Interchain FM. As always, I will read through the pages of white papers and condense only the alpha for you in a one hour long digest. Be sure to subscribe to Chango and Chain's YouTube channel to be up to date about the latest technology and never miss a live streamed episode.